Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro. It is an honor and privilege to share this time with you. We love studying the scriptures and feel they are central to our preaching, teaching, and living of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Our mission here is to grow disciples of Jesus Christ who know him, love him, and serve him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. It is our prayer that God would use our preaching and teaching to do exactly that. If you have questions, thoughts, ideas, or just want to talk a little bit more about what you've heard today, we love to hear from you. Most of all, know that you are in our prayers as we listen together. Now, let's dive in. Acts chapter 2 is where we are, verse 37 down through verse 47. Let us hear the word of God. Now, when they heard all this, the Pentecost story, we'll come back to that in a minute, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. All came upon everyone, because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This is the word of God for the people of God. And so we say, thanks be to God. Today, we do begin the season of Advent. Our hearts are warm with the call to wait for the coming of Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, the gift, the greatest gift. Over the next few weeks, uh, we'll be using a study called This Gift that was written by our own Reverend Mark Corsi. That will be our guide through this season. Many of your Sunday school classes or life groups are doing that very same study. The study invites us to reflect on the gift of Jesus in our lives and all the ways we experience the gift of Jesus. It has four very simple movements. The first, discovering the gift. We'll do that today. That's today's work. Next week is transformation, a very important part of engaging with the gift of Jesus is our transformation. The third, our new identity in the gift of Jesus. That's both December the 11th and December the 18th. And then we'll finish on Christmas Eve with sharing the gift. 
If you'd like to do this as an individual study for Advent, just email or call Mark and he'll send you all that stuff so you can do this at home or enjoy doing it with your group or your class. I do have a question as we get started for you to think about as we preach along. I know you shouldn't be distracted, I guess, but maybe this question will help you as we work our way through. When, when have you best encountered the gift of Jesus? If you think back over your life, when have you best encountered the gift of Jesus? That's a question that we can have in our minds. The Advent journey always starts with darkness. Alan and Shirley read those words. We remember Isaiah, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. That's where we always start. Today's reading from Isaiah 2 finished with, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. That's our story always. It is the call of hope that comes to us in the darkness. That's the story of our Christian faith. Darkness, though, is a very challenging place. We learn from an early age to be afraid of the dark. <laughs> Even though we need darkness to sleep and to recharge and to be healthy, we agree that we need it only if we can have nightlights and somebody close by when we have to actually go out into the darkness. After the time change a few weeks ago, our, our two-year-old TJ uh, took way too long of a nap one day. Does anybody with a two-year-old understand? Just slept. I thought, oh, my goodness, we're going to have to wake him up so we can put him back to bed. I don't know how this is going to work. He woke up just sobbing, crying, so upset. He just said, Daddy, hold you. That's what he says now. Daddy, hold you, hold you. And then he said, outside, want to go outside. And he desperately wanted to go play outside, which is what I told him we could do after the nap. We could go play outside. Well, it was... Five o'clock, and guess what had happened? It had gotten dark. So I took him to the back door and let him look out. He was still crying. He stopped, gazed out into the darkness. He pointed, and he said, dark, no. <laughs> dark, no. And then he said, cookie? So I just gave him a cookie, and he was fine after that. Cookie? Darkness is a a scary place, a scary place. And yet, darkness can be a gift. It really can. I, I love to go flying in the dark. I fly little ancient raggedy airplanes. I love to go fly those things in the dark. The thing about flying at night that's really important, you have to, you have to let your eyes adjust to the darkness for about 30 minutes before you go. You have to literally sit in the darkness for 30 minutes before you go so that your eyes can be trained to have a more dark-friendly way of working. That's, Brandon, that's how you have to do, to go flying at night, right? He's, he's a pilot too. He knows how this is. Once your eyes get adjusted, you have to be so very careful to use only red light. I have a red flashlight so that I can see things in the dark because if you let some kind of bright artificial light, like a fluorescent light, catch your eyes, it will just shatter your night vision and you won't be able to see anymore. If you can make it through and use your red light, once you get into that little old airplane with its dimly backlit gauges and overhead red lighting that looks like something out of the 1970s, because it's actually mine's out of the 1960s, you are rewarded, you are rewarded with, with a perspective on the world that few people get to see. You can actually see in the darkness the hills and the valleys, 
the houses with their porch lights on. The air is still and calm. The radio is very quiet. And the moon, the moon is so beautiful when you are 9,000 feet closer to it than from the ground. The thing that strikes me is that even in the darkest of nights, there is still light out there. You just have to train your eyes to look for it. But it's there. It is always there. Isaiah says, Come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. So often, darkness gives us the gift of seeing the light better, doesn't it? You see the light better in the dark. On the first Sunday of Advent, we just heard the back half of the Pentecost story. Did, did anyone else think that was kind of odd to be reading the Pentecost story here on the first Sunday of Advent? It might not be too much of a stretch, though, because the Holy Spirit has fallen on the disciples. You know the story. They've been speaking in tongues in front of everybody. They've been amazing the people. Peter has just preached this powerful sermon. 3,000 people responded to what Peter said about Jesus, that Jesus really was and is the promised gift of the Messiah, the Savior. Jesus is the one to which all of recorded history has been pointing. Jesus is the gift, and he is offered to all. The story continues, Peter's preaching continues, the only problem is God's people put him on a cross in spite of the signs and wonders, in spite of the deeds of power that he did. This gift, Jesus was crucified, dead, and buried, but God, God raised him up and poured out the Holy Spirit for you to see and to hear. Acts 2.37, they were cut to the heart when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. You talk about darkness, my goodness. They were in the darkness. They said, what should we do? What should we do? We have missed the gift. How did we miss it? We missed it. Brothers, what should we do? Peter says, repent, turn, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins can be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away for anyone, for everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. The miracle of the story is that they actually did repent and were baptized into this thing that God is doing in Jesus. They received the gift. 3,000 of them received the gift. I've read this passage so many times, and I always marvel at God's power to convict even the hardest heart. You see, Peter's congregation that day was made up of faithful Jewish people from all over the world. They were in Jerusalem as good, holy Jewish people to celebrate and deepen their faith. This Jesus thing had been just a blip on the radar. Another, yet another, he claimed to be the Messiah story that happened from time to time. No wonder these good and faithful Jewish people were skeptical. The difference this time was Jesus was actually the Messiah, and they missed it. The people could not see the light shining in the darkness. They could not hear Isaiah's ancient words. I can't help but wonder, was the light of Jesus not bright enough for them, or were their eyes just not trained to see it? That's a tough question. I wonder how often I fail to see the light of Jesus all around me. 
the darkness closes in. It is no surprise. I watch too much news. There's too much social media, too much turmoil and trouble in the world. We, we curse the darkness. How great is the darkness? Or could it be not that? Could it be that we've looked too deeply into some bright artificial light, shattering our night vision in the process? Could we be blinded by the light of our own rightness sometimes? left unable to see the beautiful contours of life resting purposefully in the light of Christ, which is reflected best in the hopeful faces of our fellow travelers on this journey of faith. Remember, everything looks like darkness when you forget how to see in the night. Everything looks like darkness when you miss the gift. What should we do when we've missed the gift? Peter says, repent, turn away from that foolish idea that you can save yourself by the light of your own goodness. Turn toward the gift of Jesus with a change of mind, of heart, of action and attitude. Turn toward the one who brings real forgiveness of sins and the promise of the Holy Spirit. Peter says, be baptized into this light of Jesus, which illumines the darkness, chasing away the fear and death, which once drove our lives. Now, the gift says we can be driven by the light of Jesus, the one who forgives, the one who restores, the one who renews, the one who teaches us how to see in the dark so that we can help others find the light too. Perhaps you are like me. You best encountered the gift of Jesus when the light of Christ pierced through some unmentionable darkness with hope and the promise of something better. That light came as a gift, but it is a gift we must train ourselves to see, to receive, and then to follow. I'm learning this Advent season that that is a daily choice, to see the gift, to receive the gift of Jesus, and to follow him as I live and move and have my being in the world. I hope together that we will see, receive, and follow him this Advent season. Let's see what God does as we do that together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, may the people of God say, Amen. Amen. 